Good morning, everybody. We are going to be, hopefully this isn't a surprise to you, but we're going to be in Joshua 1 today. Um, if you received the plan last week, uh, which hopefully you did, you grabbed one of these last week, you will have read the first three chapters of Joshua by now. If you didn't receive the physical plan, hopefully you got the church email and you've read the first three chapters by now. If you still don't know what I'm talking about, sign up for the church email or start opening the church email. One of those two options. Um, but we're reading through Joshua together for this series. And if you, if you missed out on all of it, we still have more of the reading plans out back. So make sure you grab that. Or if you'd rather a digital copy, let me know. We'll get that out to you. Um, but yeah, we're going to be in Joshua 1 to start. And before we begin, before we dive in, I just want to, I want to open with prayer. So if you would, please join me. Lord, you are the God who parted the Red Sea, who parted the Jordan Rivers. You're the God who brought Lazarus back to life, who healed leprosy, who cast out demons with a word. And you're that same God today. You're still doing incredible things today. You haven't changed. And we praise you for that. We are so grateful for that. And we want our lives to be a celebration and a proclamation of who you are. So right now, Lord, we just ask that you would lead this time, that this would be a continuation of worship, that the worship doesn't end with the songs, but that our hearts would be lifted in worship to you in this, that our minds would be given to you, our focus would be given to you. We want you to teach us. We want this to be by you. We want this to be through you. We want this to be for you. So Lord, we offer ourselves as a sacrifice. We love you. You deserve nothing less than our all. And we ask that for this time right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So before we begin, I want to explain why we're in Joshua. I referenced it last week. I alluded to I would explain why we're in Joshua. And the reason I'm explaining is because I know some people have wondered, wait a minute, didn't you just spend, we, we spent a year, a little over a year, we spent 13 months going through the life and the ministry of Jesus, looking at Jesus's, his life, what he did. And multiple times throughout that, I said, when we get out of this, we're going to go right into Acts and we're going to look at Jesus's bride, the church. We're going to look at Jesus's body, the church. And I said that multiple times. And that was my intent. I had every intent of going into Acts. Uh, but I've said this before. I don't preach on what I want to preach on. That's, that's not how this works or should work. It's about submission to the Holy Spirit, submission to God where he's going. And as I was starting to prep for Acts, coming out of this series on Jesus' ministry, there was just a constant Holy Spirit check of every time I opened Acts and tried to put that together. And so I reached out to the elders and I was like, guys, I'm feeling this check like we're, we're not supposed to go into Acts. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm noticing in our people. What do you think? And it was, I mean, guys, right, back me up on this. Like, it was incredible how many of the elders were immediately like, yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I'm on the exact same page. The same thing that God's saying to you, God's saying to me, this is where we need to be. And so it was very clear that we're not, we're not going into Acts just yet. And the reason we're going into Joshua is I want to take a moment and I want to acknowledge that we're proud of you. We as your leadership, we, we are proud of this body. And I think it's a righteous pride. It's not a, an arrogant pride, but a, a, a if, if you will, a holy pride in this body. Because you guys have been through a lot in the last four years. You have. We're aware of this. I know I'm up here and I push hard. I know I do. I know I'm constantly pushing. But we're aware of what you've been through. 2018, there was staff change. 2019, there was staff change. 2020, there was COVID. 2021, there's been staff change. Like, that's, that's a lot, and you guys are here, and you're standing firm, and we're proud of that. 
And sometimes we just need an encouraging reminder. I know, I know it's been hard. I know there have been times of stress. I know that for a lot of you, you're looking around at the seats that aren't as full as they used to be, and that worries you. And I want you to hear this. It doesn't worry me. It doesn't, right? But I know that that's a stressor. And I know that you look at the state of the church in America, the global church here in our nation, and there are things that are worrying. And I know that's hard. So I want you to hear us say we, we recognize that a lot of you are stressed and you're feeling exhausted and you're feeling this burden. We, we get it. But we want to encourage you. And that's why I feel like God brought us undeniably to Joshua. It's why the Holy Spirit, I believe, led me to Joshua. Because Joshua is such a powerful book that demonstrates that God fights for his people. Because hear me on this, and I say this with, it's going to sound a little funny, bear with me for the next 20 seconds, okay? You're not special. You're not unique. God's people have been here before. God's people have been in situations of looking at obstacles and just feeling exhausted. God's people throughout history have been in situations of facing burdens in front of them and feeling like it was just too much. We can't go one more step. Can't we catch a break? So you're special to me, and you're special because God made you in his image. But you're not special in the sense that no other person in God's family has ever been in this hard of a situation before. And Joshua is such a beautiful, powerful reminder of that. And so that's why I want us to spend time looking at Joshua, because I, I want us to be encouraged. right? I push hard because God fights for us. I push hard because God has gone before us. I push hard because God hauls us to a high standard. But in that call, he promises that he's with us. And Joshua is such a wonderful, encouraging reminder of that. Because let's look at Joshua and the people of Israel and let's consider. Look, it's easy. There's always a reason to stop. There is. Joshua and the Israelites, they just spent 40 years wandering the wilderness. All of in Joshua chapter 6, as we continue through this church reading plan, in Joshua 6 you'll get to, and it points out that all of the fighting men, all of the warriors had died. So they've spent 40 years wandering the wilderness. They're exhausted. Moses, who is described, Deuteronomy 34, 10 through 12, there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Their best leader. It would be easy for the people of Israel to say, look at who we've lost. We lost the greatest prophet we'll ever know. Look at who we've lost. We lost all of the fighting men. We're tired. We just wandered for 40 years. And now, after wandering for 40 years, after losing the greatest leader we've ever known, after losing all the fighting people, now you're saying, hey, there's a land full of numerous tribes of enemies. Go conquer it. It's too much. It'd be easy for the people of Israel to say that. There's always a reason to stop. What that translates to in our modern language is we're too tired. That's too big of a task. We're not ready for this. We're not prepared for this. All of the seasoned fighting men died, and now you want us to go start a bunch of battles. We're not prepared for this. Look at what we've lost. Look at who we've lost. There's just too many obstacles. 
Again, we're not special in the fact that God's people have faced hard times before. Consider Jeremiah 20.10. Jeremiah writes, For I hear many whispering, terror is on every side. Denounce him, let us denounce him, say all my close friends, watching for my fall. Perhaps he will be deceived, then we can overcome him and take our revenge on him. There's always a reason to stop. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you that there's never going to be obstacles. There's always a reason to stop. But, and this is a big but, hear me on this, there is always, always a far more compelling, infinitely more powerful, infinitely more beautiful reason to press on. And that's what Joshua demonstrates. Jeremiah 20.10, Jeremiah lays out all of these obstacles in front of him. I, I'm surrounded. Terror is on every side. Jeremiah 20.11, but the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. So yeah, four straight years of staff change, that's hard. Throw in a pandemic, that's hard. Throw in shrinking church attendance, that's demoralizing at times. But... The Lord is with you as a dread warrior. Rick, God is with you as a dread warrior. Kyle and Audrey, God is with you as a dread warrior. Zona, as a dread warrior. April, God is with you guys in, in Haiti as a dread warrior. For all of you, when you face these obstacles, when it feels so hard, the Lord is with you as a dread warrior. And we sang about Yahweh a few moments ago. That's, remember, we looked at this earlier in the series on Jesus when we looked at the Old Testament. All capital Lord is Yahweh. It's God's proper name for himself. Yahweh is with you as a dread warrior. So whatever the obstacles, whatever the excuses the enemy wants to try and convince us of, we press on because God, Yahweh, is with us as a dread warrior warrior and the book of Joshua speaks to this time and time again. These are the themes that we're going to see in Joshua. Make sure we'll send these out, but make sure you grab a picture of this, write this down. And what I encourage you, put this at the start of the book of Joshua. Write down these themes in your Bible, in your physical Bible, write down these themes and then come up with your own system. So as you read through Joshua with this church reading plan, when you see that God is faithful to fulfill his promises, when you see theme one, God is faithful to fulfill his promises, maybe you put a little one by that verse, or you star it, or you highlight it in yellow. And then you get to the theme two, God positions people for his plan and to be a testimony to those around him, that it's not accidental, that God doesn't hang people out to dry, that God deliberately positions and equips people. So maybe you make a note by that every time you see it reading through Joshua. Then we also see that in response to God's faithfulness, in response to God's positioning, we're called to live lives of courage and obedience, but that's rooted in our faith in Yahweh. Yahweh, who is with us as a dread warrior. Yahweh, who led the people of Israel through the wilderness and then led them into this promised land. We live in courageous obedience rooted in our faith in Yahweh. And then finally, what we'll see throughout Joshua, and what I want you to remember today, is that the real battle is spiritual. And so if we're engaged in a spiritual battle, one, you should expect attacks. But two, it means that, you know, we've been given the armor, we've been given the sword, we've been taught how to fight. 
So the real battle is spiritual, and we just keep that in our minds, knowing that God fights with us and for us and has gone before us in this battle. And I want to briefly look at Joshua chapter 1. And when I say briefly, uh, I was laughing with several of you. My intention was, you know, in, in my infinite wisdom, I was like, oh, we'll do Joshua 1 in one week. We'll do Joshua 2 in one week. Like, it'll be great. And then I started reading Joshua 1. And I was like, okay, well, that's two weeks worth of stuff. Well, man, maybe that's three weeks worth of stuff. So when I say we're going to briefly look at Joshua 1, we're going we're gonna to introduce Joshua 1, and then we're going to continue to look at it next week as well. But the first thing you see, and really even before we get to Joshua chapter 1, you consider this idea, right? You go back a couple and you go to the, the idea of, I'm not ready for this. I'm not prepared for this. It would have been easy for the people of Israel to say that. It would have been easy for Joshua himself to say that, that I'm not ready for this. He's thrust into this position. He's like, that's too much. Maybe you're feeling like, man, I'm, I'm put in this position and it seems like too much. I'm not ready for this. Well, let's look at this theme of God positions his people. God deliberately positions his people. He's faithful to fulfill his promises. And let's consider the actual life of Joshua. And when you look at Joshua's life, you see a couple things. That in Exodus 17, and we won't read all these verses, this is more to provide you an overview of Joshua's life. But when you look at Joshua's life, in Exodus 17, before he's called to lead the people of Israel, he's given the task of leading an army into battle, and God gives him victory. In Exodus 24 and in Numbers 11, you see that Joshua, from the time he was a very young child, was positioned to serve Moses. He would go with Moses when, when Moses went to meet with God, not going all the way, but he spent time with Moses. He learned from Moses. He was exposed to this model of leadership, and he got to see what a servant of God looked like, very uphand, close and personal. So Joshua was seeing this modeled for him before he was placed in the position. In Numbers 13, 16, I think there's a fascinating detail about Joshua. Joshua's original name was Hosea, which means a desire for salvation. And then in Numbers 13, Moses changes his name. He says, no, now you're named Joshua, which means the Lord is salvation. So you see, even in his identity, his identity is being remolded to be rooted in Christ, to be rooted in God. Not saying that he wasn't beforehand, but now his literal identity has been remade to point to God. Make anyone else think of New Testament where it says anyone in Christ is a new creation? We've been given a new heart, that the identity is now rooted in the person and the promises, the faithfulness of God. In Numbers 14, you see Joshua face his real first obstacle. It's when he and Caleb are sent out with 10 other men to spy out Canaan. And they come back and the other 10 who are older and more experienced say, this is a bad idea, we shouldn't move forward. And Joshua and Caleb say, no, 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 we should because God told us to. And the other 10 said, no, 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 we shouldn't move forward. It would have been easy for Joshua in that moment to say, all right, 10 against 2, maybe I'm missing something here. Okay, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll change my vote. It would have been easy for Joshua to give in. But Joshua stood firm. Joshua remained firmly resolute and no, God promised this. God called us to do this. This is what I'm sticking to. So we see that God is preparing Joshua for those hard moments. And then finally, as you consider the life of Joshua... And you look at all that he's done. You see that he's filled with the Spirit. Numbers 27, Deuteronomy 34. Two instances where you see that Joshua is filled with the Spirit. The Spirit who leads him. What have we looked at 
and past sermons, multiple sermons, that believers are filled with the Spirit. And we're going to look at that again today. So as you consider this, this mm, what is a polite way to say this? When you consider this absolute garbage lie that makes me so angry that the enemy feeds to Christians of you're not ready. You're not, you're not up to this. One, you're not if you try and do it on your own. But see, Christians believe the lie and we say, that's too big of an obstacle. Uh, here are all the excuses of why I won't press forward. And Joshua gives us this beautiful model of, all right, I press forward because God calls me to. I press forward because God is with me. I'm going to follow God. I'm not doing this on my own. God is with me. And so Joshua, even in Joshua's life, we see that these excuses that might be tempting to follow, to listen to, God has dealt with. God has prepared Joshua for this moment of leadership. God has equipped Joshua for this moment of leadership that he has called him to. And so when you consider your own lives and the call that God places before you, the call that God places on you, please know this and hear this and be encouraged by this, that God is not surprised. God is not changing his mind at the last minute. God has prepared you. God has equipped you. God has placed you in situations designed to be used for his glory, just like Joshua. We see this, this faithfulness of God. And again, when I say that we see this in our own lives, look at this verse in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace, right? Because maybe you're like, well, Sam, that's easy for you to say. You're a pastor. It's easy for the elders to say that they've been equipped. It's easy, it's easy for people in church leadership to say that God has prepared them for the work in front of them, but not me. Listen to Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may God equip you for the work. May God equip you with everything good that you may do His will. Be encouraged, friends. God is not calling you to do something without His presence. The Holy Spirit indwells you. Jesus is with you. God is with you. Yahweh is with you. We see this in Joshua. We see this in the New Testament. Let us be encouraged. And then second, actually getting into Joshua 1, we see this other theme that I mentioned, that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. In Genesis 15, 18 through 21, on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I will give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. God includes these details. He promises Moses, or Abram, I'm sorry, promises Abram. I'm giving your descendants this land. Genesis 17, 8, you see it again. God says, and I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And then in Joshua 1, verses 2 through 4, God speaking. God, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. 
See, God reinforced his promise to Moses that he made to Abram. He reminded Moses, look, this is the promise I made to Abram. This is the promise that I'm fulfilling for the people of Israel. Now you have Joshua. This is the promise that I made to Abram that I reinforced, that I told Moses about. I'm promising you this. I'm fulfilling this promise because I am faithful. God says this to Joshua, and he goes on. He gives the same details. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And as we continue to read through Joshua and study through Joshua, we'll see this continued demonstration that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. So then the matter for us is to look at the promises that he makes. To look at the promises that God has made us and to know and to be encouraged by, to be strengthened by, bolstered by the undeniable, unchangeable truth that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. This is who he is. This is who he's always been, who he always be, will be. And we see this in the first two verses of Joshua. And when you consider these promises, these specific promises, I want to look at another promise that we see in Joshua 1. And this is actually, remember last week we looked on Jesus in the Old Testament? Jesus in every book of the Old Testament. I told you when you read scripture, look for Jesus. This promise that we're going to look at is, a, is an awesome example of a Trinitarian promise where you see this promise fulfilled by every member of the Trinity, which I think that's one of those details to me that is just so fascinating. So let's consider Joshua 1.5 and Joshua 1.9. God says in Joshua 1.5, Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. God promises this to Joshua. In Joshua 1.9, he says, Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then consider Jesus' words in Matthew 28.20. 20. Behold, I am with you always. Consider Jesus speaking to the disciples in John 14.16-17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. God promises Joshua, I will be with you forever. Jesus promises, I will be with you forever. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. I mean, what a cool Trinitarian promise that we see pop up back in the Old Testament, that we see again in the New Testament, that we see in our lives today. So when we face these big tasks, we're encouraged because we know that God is always faithful. And we know that one of the things that he has promised is that he is with us. So yes, in your hard days, you're not alone. In the days when you're looking, I mean, goodness, consider, I'm going to reread Genesis 15, 18 through 21, just the second half. Consider all the obstacles that God names. I'm going to give you this land. This land that is currently occupied by the Kenites, the Kenanzites, the Cabanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. That's ten reasons for the people of Israel to say this task before us is too big. There are ten different obstacles who are going to actively fight against us. But God says, no, I'm going to do this because I am with you. And as we continue to look at Joshua, you'll see that not only is he with us, he's gone before us, and he fights for us. But we see this promise given to Joshua. 
We see this fulfillment time and time again. We'll continue to look at it. And I know there are days where it's hard to remember this. We're talking about these things. One of the verses I love, Paul in the New Testament says, I write to remind you of the things you know because I think it's right. There are days where it's hard to remember these promises. But when you look at Scripture, what's it say? It says, I meditate on your word. I have hidden your word in my heart. I treasure your word. So we look at these promises. We spend time emphasizing these promises, learning these promises, so that when we get to the hard days, when we get to the days that the obstacles feel like too much, when we get to the days where it feels like we're not ready, like the task is too big, like it's been so, look at who we've lost. Look at what we've lost. When we get to the days where we're tempted to say, I mean, it would have been easy for the people of Israel to say, our best days are behind us. It would have been. I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself right now, uh, and I hope I do this gently and graciously. Please don't ever say to me that our best days are behind us. That will, that makes my blood boil. Um, And I will do my best in the moment to respond graciously and gently. But when people say, when I hear Christians, when I hear followers of Jesus Christ say our best days are behind us, what they're saying is because the obstacles in front of us are too big for God to deal with. I mean, God might be able to get us to scrape through, but God can't triumph in these days. Look at, look at church attendance across the country. We're shrinking. We can't possibly have an impact like we did back in the 50s, the 60s. I mean, pick a decade, right? The 1800s. Look at everything in front of us. Look how hostile the world is to Christianity. We couldn't possibly, the church couldn't possibly triumph today. Our best days are behind us. I mean, how dare we? How dare we say that God is incapable of dominating these days with his glory like never before? The people of Israel could have easily said, our best days are behind us. Our greatest prophet is dead. All of our fighting men are dead. We are young. We are inexperienced. The opposite, there are 10 different enemies in this land in front of us. Our best days are behind us. No, because God is with us. Because Yahweh is with us as a dread warrior. These are the promises established in just these first 10 verses. I mean, goodness, we're not even like a third of the way through chapter one. And I, like, I want to go fight somebody, right? Like I'm fired up. And we're just, we're just getting into it. I mean, really, we haven't even gotten to the cool stuff yet. The stuff that makes your mind explode. So church, be encouraged. Be bold. Be strong. We're going to look at what those words mean next week. But why? Because God is with us. So yeah, I know four straight years of staff change is hard. I I know. that's, That's hard. That's stressful. I know the pandemic was hard. I know coming out of it is stressful. I know there are still so many uncertainties. But here are the certainties, that God is faithful to fulfill his promises, that God is with us, that Jesus is with us, that the Holy Spirit is with us, and that they aren't just with us in some sort of passive backseat role. God is with us as a dread warrior. So when, when, when I and the elders ask you to join us on the front line, I'm not asking you to join me on the front line because I'm standing on the front line. Man, you'd be in trouble if it was on my shoulders. 
I'm asking you to join me on the front line because God stands before me on the front line. And God stands before you on the front line. Yeah, we're at war. We're at war with the dread warrior. I, I mean, really. This is what we see in Joshua. And the same God of Joshua is the same God today. That's the Yahweh who is with you, who loves you, who has called you, who has made promises to you, who has set a challenge before us. So we look at the possible excuses. We look at the terror around us, like Jeremiah did. We look at the voices around us calling out against God. We look at the voices giving us bad advice, the voices spreading lies. And we say, but... We say, yeah, we're surrounded by obstacles. We say, yeah, the task in front of us is huge. We say, yeah, it's going to require change. I mean, when Sam said that your challenge this week is to share the gospel with one person, I about fell out of my seat because that's the scariest thing I could think of. We say, yeah, that's what's going on around us. But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. And so we stand on that hill looking down into the promised land like Joshua and the people of Israel did. And we say, okay, God, I'm pressing forward. I'm going to move forward. I will be relentless in my pursuit of you. I will be relentless in my pursuit of spreading the gospel because you are with me. And that's all I need to know. And so this week, the homework this week, in addition to, we'll continue to read uh, July 5th, you're reading chapter 4. You're going to be one date off at this point for this next week. So the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th, you're going to read chapters 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. So in addition to that, I also want you to read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And I want to read that quickly. Uh, especially, I mean, pay attention to all of it, right? There's a reason why we're reading the whole 10 verses. But let's really pay attention to this verse 10. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's who you used to be. Anyone not in Christ, that's who they still are. That's who I used to be, right? And then... Like Moses changed the name of Joshua, God changed my name, and God changed my identity. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. There's a promise of God. We've seen that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I don't fight on my own. You don't fight on your own. We fight because God is with us. We are saved because of what Jesus did. It's not about us. Listen to this verse, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. 
Remind yourself of these promises of God. Remind yourself of his faithfulness. And then remind yourself that he has equipped you. He has called you. What's it say? It says, we are prepared for works that God created beforehand that we might walk in them. Your purpose is to follow God in this battle. You've been created for those works. You've been equipped. You've been called to this. And then I want you to do this. I want you to do this as an exercise. Physically list out. Because a lot of times, I mean, they've looked at the psychology of this. This helps us learn and retain. Physically write out. Maybe you make a note on your phone. Maybe you make it all look nice and you put it on your mirror. But write out all the different things in your life that God has done to equip you for an impact for his glory. And let's switch our perspective. This will require an eternal perspective. I mean, think through your life. Think through your life, think through the excuses the Israelites could have made, the excuses we could make. I suffered loss. I've suffered dozens of loss. I've lost more people who I love than anyone else. Okay, so maybe, just maybe if we change our perspective, we could see that God has now uniquely put us in a place to relate to other people experiencing grief. And we can come alongside them as one sympathetic and empathetic and say, I've been there, I've suffered that loss, I've suffered that pain. Let me tell you about God. Maybe we lost our job. Maybe our spouse lost their job too. Maybe, maybe we've suffered more financial setbacks than anyone. Okay, so now let me tell you about God's faithfulness in providing. Let me tell you about the peace that passes understanding. Right, whatever that maybe is, think through your life and physically write down just like we did with Joshua, where we looked at the list of everything that God had been doing in Joshua's life to prepare him for this task. Look at the things that have happened in your life and identify, okay, God, how can this be used for your glory? And then the prayer is simple. All right, God, show me how to use this. Show me the work you've prepared me for. These things that I've gone through, I lived overseas for 10 years, and then I lived here, and I feel like, okay, whatever I've gone through, Lord, show me how this has been preparing me for the work for your glory. Show me what's in front of me based on how you've equipped me and called me. And then like Joshua and the people of Israel, let's go. Let's go do that work. Guys, the opportunity for impact is all around us constantly. Addie and I just had baby Violet, right? And uh, two days after she was born, her temperature dropped below safe levels, and we had to rush her back to the ER early in the morning. And we wound up admitted, and we spent a couple nights in the hospital while they tried to figure out why is her temperature dropping, right? One of the things, Addie and I, we pray together every day to start our day. And one of the, one of the constant prayers is, Lord, use us for your glory today. I mean, that's a constant, everyday prayer. Lord, use us for your glory today. And those days we were in the hospital, it didn't change that. We prayed, Lord, use us for your glory today. You know how many times we got to talk with our nurses and doctors about God? I mean, there was one, there was one instance, right? We're first-time parents. Our two-day-old infant, temperature unsafe levels, they don't know why. And the one nurse says, she's like, I can't believe how peaceful you guys are. Like, I, I can't believe you guys are at so much peace. And Addie and I looked at each other and we were like, hello, you just opened a door. Let me tell you about God. And they're like, that's pretty cool. You're going to make me cry, right? Everything in your life is an opportunity for God's glory. Everything is deliberate. God has placed you where he has placed you and given you the experiences he has given you so that you are prepared for that work to point to him, to magnify his name, to advance his kingdom. We're going to see this in Joshua. 
Get encouraged. Get excited at the challenge of the task before us because we go with the Lord. Please join me in prayer. God, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for how good you are. We thank you for how mighty you are. I mean, you are a man of war. You ride at the head of heaven's armies. Your eyes flash like fire. None can stand before you. Lord, thank you that we get to fight with you. This is such an incredibly humbling and awe-inspiring invitation that you invite us to join you in battle. Father, we thank you that there is no obstacle too big for you. That these things in front of us that seem daunting, that the terror around us, the voices whispering around us, that they are but small things to you. So Lord, teach us to follow you. Teach us who you are as we continue to study your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand with us. against me but I will hold my ground I will not fear the war I will not fear the storm my help is on the way my help is on the way oh my God he will not delay my refuge and strength always I will not fear His promise is true My God will come through always Always surrounds me chaos abounding my soul will rest in you I will not fear the war I will not fear the storm my help is on the way my help is on the way oh my God he will not delay my refuge and strength always. I will not fear, His promise is true. My God will come through always, comes from the Lord. I lift my eyes up, my help comes from the Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. I lift my eyes up, my help comes from the Lord. I lift my eyes up, my help comes from the Lord. From you, Lord. Oh, my God. and strength always I will not fear His promise is true my God will come through always